You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, talking Reds baseball today, as always, with our Reds reporter, Mark Sheldon. And, Mark, uh, the Reds, I believe, prior to Monday, had, I think, the second or third best record post-All-Star break in baseball. They've certainly played much improved baseball uh, these last couple of weeks, but Monday was not so much a game as a debacle against the Dodgers. Unfortunately, 18-9 to was the final there in favor of L.A. Uh, the Dodgers hitting uh, seven home runs in the process. And I know this is something we talked about earlier in the season, especially when the Reds' bullpen was just a complete train wreck. But the attitude in the clubhouse following a game like that, is it more along the lines of, you know what, it's embarrassing You give up nearly 20 runs to a team, even though the Reds themselves almost uh, cracked double figures. They had nine. Or is the attitude more along the lines of, you know what, these things happen. It's a 162-game season. You're going to have your off nights where just nothing goes right. You're off days in this case. Uh, what, what was it more of following that loss to the Dodgers on Monday? It was more the latter, believe it or not. The idea that it, you know, it's one loss, as bad as it was, it still only counts as one loss. You don't get, you don't get penalized with a double loss for you know, being beat up like that. I think if it had happened in the first half, it would have been much more uh, debilitating just because of the way things were going. There was a stretch where they lost 11 in a row in the first half, and a game like this just would have been a killer, especially since they were shorthanded in you know, the rotation in the bullpen. Um, it's funny is that the leading up to this game and the one Sunday where they lost 4 nothing, there was a bit, you know, a lot of discussion about how the mood in the clubhouse has just gotten better. They had the second-best record in the majors since the All-Star break. Uh, they climbed out of uh, last place for a couple of days. They were uh, alone in fourth place for a brief moment over the Brewers. And uh, just the general talk is that guys feel good about the team. They, they like how they're pitching. They like how they're hitting. They've survived the loss of Jay Bruce. And so much is going well. And then you get a game like Monday where not only does Tyler Holt, an outfielder pitch, Jumbo Diaz, a reliever, batted, and it's just everything went wrong in every way, shape, and form pitching-wise. They were pleased with how they, they stuck with it offensively and tried to make a comeback, uh, especially in the middle innings. Yeah, it was just a, a very weird game. And I believe uh, that whole pitch a 1-2-3 uh, ninth inning on, on five pitches. Is that correct? Five pitches. He threw uh, – it was amazing is that he, he's been wanting to pitch, not see his team get blown out, but he was always kind of the guy that we sort of knew that if this was the kind of game that was going to happen and they needed a guy to come off the bench and be a pitcher – he was going to be that guy if he was available. And he was out on the mound before the Dodgers had even come off the field for the bottom of the eighth. That's how excited he was. And he dropped a 63-mile-an-hour knuckleball on Jock Peterson, who was swinging out of his shoes and almost fell down. And then, uh, yeah, he got two pitches to Peterson, two pitches to Kendrick, and one pitch to Cole. And that was it. That was the smoothest inning of the whole day for either pitching set. That's that's amazing. Just one of those quirks about baseball to make the game uh, so amazing. Unfortunately, the score – not so amazing uh, for the Reds yesterday, but as you pointed out, I think if you if you kind of compare this game to the game in the first half where Chris Bryant went absolutely nuts, and I believe that was was that the uh, the area had a no hitter. Or I'm getting my game. No, that was a different but, game. But but yes, okay. the area no area had a no hitter in April, and the Bryant game in I think in early that's July right. or late June. Those were those were killers for this team, and and that's I don't feel like this game, even though as bad as it was, it didn't hit that level of low uh, that. Yeah, that those did. Yeah, it's just, like I said, a different attitude in that first game in the first half, considering how bad things were going for the club. But now that things are better, and as you pointed out, it's a much lighter 
jovial mood in the clubhouse that you can just chalk it up to, you know what, it happens. Uh, every team goes through it. Uh, the Reds had theirs yesterday. The Dodgers, uh, seven home runs, and you just, you know, you you just look at it and say, all right, that's done, on to the next, and hopefully that's exactly what the Reds will do. Mark, you had a very interesting tidbit from yesterday's uh, chaos. Uh, Reds relievers gave up two more home runs to the first batter that each fan faced. Now that's the 24th and 25th times this season that the Reds have done that. It's the most by a bullpen since the uh, the Rays back in 2007. So my question regarding this is what do you chalk that up to? Is it guys just like afraid to get behind and they want to get that, that get me over strike and hitters knowing that and jumping on the first pitch? Or is it something a little more uh, complex than that? Well, in, in some pitchers' cases, I think it's just bad pitching. I think, I think Jumbo Diaz is not – he's one of the bigger uh, – no pun intended, but one of the bigger uh, offenders in this category. He's done it more than I think other guys have. and uh, He just sets himself for a lot of trouble, either by throwing a very fat – again, no, just a very big pitch over the strike zone that's just kind of straight with not a lot of movement, 98 miles an hour, but it's not moving too much. Or if he doesn't do that, he's walking guys. And I think he just he set himself up to be in a uh, – to be in a, basically painted into a corner, and he's got to throw a good pitch in order to get it over, and he's not doing it. Uh, you know, uh, Blake Wood has been much better in overall this season, but he's had it happen to him a couple times. You know, I, I can't explain why it happened to him. He gave up back-to-back homers to start his appearance yesterday. So uh, it's it's a weird thing. The bullpen has definitely gotten better. It's not been a, uh, a debacle in the second half of Glacius and Lorenzen has helped, but also the other guys have pitched better. But uh, this, this number has been hanging over their head, and it's just not very pretty. Yeah, it, it really isn't. That's one of the more stunning stats regarding this Reds bullpen this year is not just the home runs they give up, but when the home runs are given up, and in 25 cases so far this year, like we said, it's to the first batter that a Reds reliever faces, and they've uh, tied for the most uh, since Rays nine years ago in uh, 2007. Mark, want to uh, switch gears here and talk about something good and uh, positive. You had a nice write-up on Nick Sandell, the number two overall draft pick, and uh, following a bit of a bumpy start to his pro career after getting drafted, he's really tearing it up. I believe he's in either uh, A or high A ball right now. And, uh, again, the number two overall pick in this summer's draft. Now, in recent weeks, we've seen three of the top ten selections from last year's draft already reach the major league. Uh, Dansby Swanson just days ago for the Braves. You've got uh, Alex Bregman for the Astros and Andrew Benintendi uh, for the Red Sox. And I know it's a very small sample size at this point, but considering what Sendell has done and how he's looked, do you put him on that similar kind of fast track to maybe at this point next year be wearing a red uniform? I think it's very possible. He's, he's in low A right now with Nathan. Uh After he got over just the initial – rookie-level pro transition after not playing for almost a month. He was able to get to Dayton and, and really kind of find himself and figure things out and get going. And I, I just think because he's an elite hitter, he's kind of a finished, uh, almost finished product when he came out of college. I just think guys like him, you know, and Chris Bryan a couple of years ago, they're just those kind of hitters are on the express track to the major leagues. And I don't see why, especially if the Reds are still in this rebuilding mode, why he wouldn't be part of that. I mean, obviously, they have a third baseman they like right now, and I use Suarez, but uh, I'm not sure if he's the, the permanent solution or if he might end up finding a different position, uh, like back to shortstop or something like that in the future. Benzel is a ready-to-go guy, uh, could be soon, and I think that would be uh, that would be a likely possibility. If he's not there by this time next year, he'll definitely be there in 2018. 
Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. It's, it's a matter of uh, when, not if, for uh, Nick Sandell. And it's really stunning the last couple of weeks to see so many guys drafted uh, just over a year ago already not just in the big league but contributing. And I don't have any reason to think that Sandell would not be a part of that class at this time next year in uh, 2017. Uh, Mark, uh, getting back to the, uh, the pitching now, more specifically the rotation, uh, before the ugliness of the last two games, Reds were uh, riding high with a five-game winning streak. Uh, Brandon Finnegan, in particular, Saturday night, uh, took a no-hitter into the seventh inning, broken up by Adrian Gonzalez, who I think could hit home runs blindfolded right now. The guy is just crushing everything. Of course, he had three of the seven Dodger home runs on Monday. But nonetheless, I want to uh, put you on the spot a little bit, considering how well some of the guys in this rotation are pitching right now. If you had, excuse me, if you had one guy, uh, winner-take-all game, and you need to send either Dan Straley, Brandon Finnegan, or Anthony Bisquifani to the mound to, to take that one-game winner-take-all contest, uh, of those three, who's your selection right now? I'd still go with Bisquifani just because I think he's the most steady of the three, and Straley being a close second, but I, I like what Bisquifani does. He's able to kind of cut things out and, and even on a game like uh, Sunday when he gave up some runs early, he, he wasn't defeated. You know, he he kept with it. He found a way. He saved the bullpen. I think I think Finnegan's just too prone to walks. He's not one of those guys that can always give you a start like he did on Saturday or the eight-inning complete game. He also did against the Dodgers in April. He's a guy that can be, uh, you know, 99 pitches in four-and-a-half innings or five innings, and it's not uh, – that's not conducive, but he is a guy eventually that I think I would want in a big game. He's got a, just a, a he's a steamroller. He, he's not afraid of anybody. He will not give in to anybody. So I think he's one of those things where he's 23 years old. I think he eventually could be that big game pitcher, but right now he has some work to do to sharpen, uh, to, you know, to sharpen up some of the edges and, and be better. Uh, he's just got to learn to conserve more. He's got to learn to get his pitches over, and, and we'll see. Dan Straley's been obviously a revelation for the Reds this year coming off the waiver wire and he's going to be pitching tonight, and he's been their most consistent pitcher in the second half. Yeah, he's been tremendous. All three guys have been tremendous, and they bring something a little bit different to each of them to the table. But I tend to agree with you that Dee Spafani would be the guy to get that winner-take-all start. Now, regarding Finnegan, Mark, uh, it it appears that he's uh, coming up very close to an innings limit, or there's some concern about his workload considering that he is still very young. He's in his uh, kind of the nascent stages of his career as a starting pitcher. What do these next couple of weeks look like going forward for the lefty? It's really going to be interesting. He threw between college and the professional level two years ago about 150 innings. But last year, just because of uh, being used in the bullpen a lot more and things like that, he didn't really get a representative number. So the Reds have been a little bit quiet. They're not, they're not naming the number. They're not saying what it is. And they've, they've said it's possible he's going to be watched and that they might have to cut a short and maybe put him in the bullpen, but they've also said they, they may, depending on the other guys, they might be willing to go to a six-man rotation or, or maybe skip Finnegan for one or two starts in order to have him start the rest of the year and be a starter the rest of the year. So there's definitely some uh, ambiguity in what they're talking about, but unlike the other guys in the rotation, he is the only guy right now that they have to keep an eye on. They're not worried about Bailey, Bicofani, because they started the season late. They're not worried about Straley. Amr Bailey obviously also started the season late, so uh, – they're not worried about anyone else but Finnegan. Uh, I would say I would imagine he would probably end up in the bullpen to end the year because I don't think they want to go to a six-man rotation because that could screw up the other guys. So we'll, we'll see what happens, though. It'll be interesting for sure. And uh, Mark, to wrap up here, we definitely have to address uh, Michael Lorenzen. Most fans know by now 
recently returning from the bereavement list after the passing of his father. His first game back on Friday, he uh, pitches nearly two scoreless innings, but bigger than that, crushes a three-run homer for the first long ball of his career, and obviously uh, Michael uh, overcome with emotion both during and after the game, and i got to think that for you, that was one post-game interview with him that you will not soon forget. No, I won't. Uh, he was definitely you know, tearing up and very emotional even post-game. It was a uh, That's one of those games when I'm retired from – covering baseball, I'll probably never forget just because, you know, the pe- these guys are people. They're not just robots playing baseball. They're not just statistics on baseball reference and MLB.com. They, they are people. And he went through a loss this week, uh, and he got back, and he was emotional. And they Brian Price and him talked it, and there wasn't going to be any soft landings back into the game. They figured he's ready to go. He wanted the pitch. And he had an opportunity to, uh, even though it was a 6-1 game, to come in and, and keep a rally from exploding, and he did that. But it was emotional for him, and he said he, even before he went to bat, he was in the bathroom crying just because it was hard. That just pitching that inning, the seventh inning was hard, and then he had to come in and bat in the bottom of the, of the seventh. And uh, and first pitch, 97 mile an hour fastball from Baez, and he hit it the other way, and it went in the seats. And it was just one of those things like, wow, I can't believe he just did that. And he, he touched home plate, raised his fingers to the air, and went in the dugout and got a lot of hugs and won a big hug at the last one from uh, Ramon Cabrera's teammate, and then they all encouraged him to go out and take a curtain call. And it was it was really cool. And, you know, he's, he's going through a lot, but uh, I'm glad he was able to do that and uh, gave his family, I think, probably a little lift, and it, it was a cool thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the thoughts going through his head, rounding the bases after that home run, we can only imagine. A tough week for Michael Lorenzen, but we wish him – uh, the best and his family the best after what has been obviously a very, uh, very tough emotional week for him uh, and his family, no question. Uh, Mark, good place to wrap this one up. We'll do it again at this time next week. That is Mark Sheldon, our Reds reporter, joining us on this Tuesday. In the meantime, Matt Waymire signing off for MLB.com Extras, Cincinnati Reds. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.